A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit BeNext.ThinkMOCO.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 86 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We are continuing with our 2022 redraft positional previews today with two more phenomenal guests. But first, let's bring in my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? Uh, good day to be back, talking some, some more positional previews. And today we've got the second base position, which is much improved, so... Looking forward to this talk. A lot of guys that gained second base eligibility last year make this position a little deeper, a little more fun. So, yeah, good. Uh, it's a lot better than last time we recorded. You know, Sunday night, right, right before we got on record, we had to pause before we got started because my son threw up all over my wife after feeding the bottle. So <laughs> now we're doing a little better tonight, and we didn't have any of that. So Yeah, that, that, that was a rough better. start to the pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, sure. uh, yeah, second base, I remember when it sucked, like, 10 years ago, like started, I started playing fantasy baseball back when I was like 15, 16. Yeah, second base sucked. It was almost as bad as catcher, but now it's really, really fun position. And uh, we have, like I said, we have a couple of great guests here. And both of these guests are 2021 FSWA award finalists. So you know it's going to be a good time. Our first guest is a writer and podcaster at NBC Sports Edge, a writer at The Athletic, and the host of the great Turn 2 podcast. Mr. Matt Williams joins us. Matt, what's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good. Go on. Say more nice stuff about me. I love you. Continue. <laughs> he on. forgot. He's the founder of rotofanatic.com. Yes. Oh, I left that out. And yes, the author of the of... hashtag 2022 player breakdowns. You're selling me short here, buddy. <laughs> I am sorry. I, I'm I'm appalled with myself right now. I, I pride myself on my intros. I left that out. Yes. Also, you're... future FSWA uh, award winner Chris Clegg is, <laughs> is with us. He will no doubt be winning one in the future. I hope so. He's we'll got see. he's got an enemy. I know he's I know he does. We'll see. I'm the only non-nominee here, so I'm kind of I got to Yeah, I was just support. joking. Get out. <laughs> All right, removing myself now. <laughs> I got I got to grind this year, man. Got to got to get to y'all's level. Uh, you'll get there, man. You'll get there. You got some great stuff going on and a nice uh, something in the works here. You you already tweeted out your 90th percentile exit velocity stuff, which is great. Everybody should go check that out. He tweeted that the other day, and he's going to be digging further into that. So be in the lookout for that over the next couple months from Chris. It's going to be some great work. Him and Justin Johnson put into that. Really fun stuff. Uh, our second guest today, rounding out the crew, 
is a writer, podcaster, and video creator. You can find him on his podcast, Cork Stats, or over on his YouTube channel. The self-proclaimed big man with the big mouth from the Big <laughs> Apple, John Legaza joins us. John, what's up, man? Man, I am so I'm so flattered to be here, guys. Really, thank you. This is one of the you know it's one of the best podcasts that we have. You guys are must listen. Man, I'm I'm just so glad to be kind of joining the circus now. I had my mic muted before because I already like laughed and I cried. And trust <laughs> me, the uh, the baby spit up. You know, we call it the, the baby cheese incident. I feel that. <laughs> and it's funny, Eric, this is something I've told you years ago, Matt, the same, when I was a, you know, more of a follower than a creator myself. And that's when I used to knock out a lot of my content creation was taking care of the kids at, at night, right? I'd be answering the, the baby call, the crying, the screaming, and the filled diapers. And I would pop the earbud in and spend that half hour, hour listening to baseball pods. And my wife absolutely loves it. So there's like a little tip for everybody for the happy Amen. wife, happy life. Yeah. Listen to pods <laughs> while you parent. <laughs> Look at that. Killed Great two birds advice. with one stone. Oh, and That's if I could great. really quick, Chris, I mentioned yeah. it to you briefly before we got on. Matt also mentioned it briefly. You are really on to something great. If you haven't seen what we've been kind of teasing already about the EV work that Chris is doing right now, it is legitimately impactful and it's not done. Like, I wish it was my idea because this is the finalist nominee in waiting, Chris. It really is. I, I totally encourage you no pressure, to see Chris. this. Yeah. yeah. See don't this. Let all, don't let yeah. us all down. Yeah. yeah. See this. Yeah. See, no, see it through. I can tell really good ideas when they first kind of gestate, when they first kind of show up. And you could tell if you foster this thing properly, really, you're going to bring home some hardware, man. This is a really, really great idea. And I can see the execution you're putting into it, man. Really keep, keep going. Great work, man. Appreciate that, John. It means a lot. All right. Before we get into the show today, the usual housekeeping, you can find all of us on Twitter. Matt is at Matt Williams, but replace the L's with seven. So W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. John is at MLB Moving Average AVG. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast or any of the, you know, the Cork Stats or Turn 2 podcasts, give, give the podcast a rate and review, please. Uh, check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both Chris and I. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 fantasy baseball draft kits, because draft season is in full swing here in the where are we at the end of it's already the end of January, which is crazy. How did that happen? Uh, I know. Weren't we just like talking about New Year's? That was like last week, it feels like, and now it's almost February, but as Chris mentioned earlier, we have the really fun second base position today, and you look at ADP here, um, we'll get to some player talking a little bit here. We got a whopping 12 players inside the top 100 that are all second base eligible, and many of these guys have eligibility at other spots too, so it's really interesting position, but before we get into any player talk here, let's talk about just our general thoughts on the player pool here at second base this year, and kind of like what our strategy is going into our drafts when we, how we want to attack this position. So Matt, how are you attacking this position in 2022? Um, as you guys were saying, I mean, I agree that it's strong. It's a lot stronger than it was in the past, but I love to fill it up early uh, because I, there's a certain drop off for me and we'll get to it. I mean, for, I mean, spoiler alert, it's like Altuve, Lao, um, India. I think there's a sharp drop off after yeah. that. And I don't want my starter to come. Uh, after that point, middle infield is is very deep between second and shortstop. But um, even just because there's a lot of players, they all go pretty quickly. So I mean, it's not like you can like wait on a position. Sometimes when people said oh, I'll wait, 
Well, that means like first base, maybe you can wait like rounds and rounds. Second base, you can't wait because multiple guys will go in a round and there'll be a run and you'll be out. So, uh, yeah, great position. Uh, definitely want to fill it early. It's one of the uh, it's one of the things I probably want filled up in the first like eight rounds if I can do it. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there, and I I have that same thought about the massive drop off. And there's about a twenty or so uh, pick drop off in the ADP after Jonathan India, who's the twelfth guy off the board. So yeah, everybody past that. Well, there's some decent talents in there. Some guys that might like is like a you know my middle infielder or whatnot, but. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more question marks down there, whether it's, you know, injury history or just, you know, not a long track record of proven results. Just, yeah, not as many uh, proven guys down there. So definitely agree with what Matt said there. John, what are your thoughts? I'd probably have to echo the main sentiment about the depth, but I think you mentioned the main thing just briefly, Eric, and it's all the dual eligible players here. So it's like, yeah, there are 12 guys in the top 100. However, half of them are eligible at other positions and get drafted for those other positions. So I actually got stung. Like, I, I want to agree with what Matt is saying about the desire, the need to get it. I'm not saying early. Like, you don't have to go three rounds. I like that he put an eighth-round tag there. I think that's that makes a lot of sense. I got caught the first couple drafts I was in falling for the depth narrative not realizing that the eligibility problem was there. And I did kind of miss out. And now, granted, I have a couple names in mind that maybe I'm okay with starting at 2B, but I really have to agree. You really want one of those 12 guys. And if you cut down half of them with eligibility issues, there's maybe nine or 10. You got to get one of those guys. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It only so of the let's see 12 in the top 180p as a like i'm looking at the adp from draft champions leagues from january 1st on there's 12 that are going in the top 100 and somehow only four of those are are just second base only and then of the 20 going in the excuse me 22 going in the top 200 here only six are second base only which is interesting so it's so much multi position eligibility and you're right on that that's an interesting point because you know, we I mentioned Eric before several of these guys we talked about in the first base episode. So yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting to see. And like you mentioned, all these guys, a lot of these guys are getting drafted to play at other positions. That's a good point you bring up. Yeah, and, and depending on your, you know, the games played, you know, some of you playing on Yahoo, which only has I think what ten games played, so you might have that Mookie Betts if you're if you're on Yahoo. I think Mookie Betts qualifies there. So it may maybe a couple others that I'm I'm forgetting, but um, yeah. So the top one hundred. Let's go into the ADP now. These 12 players that we've been mentioning, and again, this is off NFBC, same criteria, draft champions from uh, January 1st to now. Trey Turner, Ozzy Albies, Whit Merrifield, Marcus Semien, Javier Baez, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Tommy Edmond, Jose Altuve, Brendan Lowe, uh, Jorge Polanco, Kettle Marte, and Jonathan India, who's at 93 ADP. And then there's like a 23 pick drop off down to DJ LeMahieu. Let's start at the top with Trey Turner. Yeah, he's been he's got an ADP of one point two four right now. Uh, John, is he? If you got number one pick, is Trey Turner the, the no brainer number one this year for you? I, I don't think it's no brainer, but I, you know, spoiler alert, I have drafted Turner at the one. Gosh, it's everything you could ask for, and if you're willing to give up just a little bit of power and maybe even a little of injury concern that you might have traded if you went with somebody like Tatis. 
we really can't write off what Tatis can do in a five by five roto league. You know, there are very few, almost if any players, you know, discluding a healthy Ronald Acuna Jr. that could go, gosh, 45 and 30. And I, I think if we heard 45 and 30 from Tatis, the only thing we'd really be surprised at is the games played and not so much the production. So Turner, I think, gives me a little more security that I'm going to get 160, 155. I think 160 maybe a little greedy or you shoot for 155 as a max compliment i think turner gives you the best chance at that and when you really get down into the nuts and bolts of some of the profile for turner i think a lot of it is a bit more impressive than people might even have realized you know a 357 x woba a plus 46 percent hard hit rate on Statcast, that's plus 95 miles an hour. He had a 428 expected woba on contact 112 and a half max ev those are pretty legitimate Power hitters. And we're going to talk about the reason I laid it out is we're going to talk about a few players that I'm not buying some of the extrapolation that we see with power. I think people do that often. A player hits 21 and they say, well, getting a 28 will be no big deal. And until you show me underlying metrics like that, you know, Turner gives you the power and the lift, plus the plate appearances are there. He could go 30, 35, bat 300, score over 100 runs. So, yeah, he is clearly in the running for that. But I think outside of Turner, it's Tatis, maybe some J-Ram, but it's a very kind of narrow field up there. Yeah, and, and the beauty with Turner, outside of everything you just mentioned, how he's a five-category stud, hitting a top, you know, a loaded Dodgers lineup, like he's just to be an absolute juggernaut, but he has that dual eligibility at second base and shortstop as well. So that gives you a little bit of flexibility later on. Or it's, you know, you can see how the board is falling for each one of those positions. Like, all right, I can move him to second, grab a shortstop later, or vice versa. So I, I like that added, you know, flexibility with him as well. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, he's my one-on-one also. I, I would throw J-Ram in there as a possibility because third base is by far the worst position. Catcher aside, it's not a real position. And he's like, it's, the it's not a real of, position. Tight ends of, it's a tight end of, 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 uh, <laughs> of baseball. It's its own thing. Um, there's pitchers, there's hitters, and then there's catchers. But uh, yeah, third base, I think the, the stolen bases for J-Ram make him a possibility. But, you know, I take Turner. I mean, like you said, second base and short, it gives you that. I mean, I'm probably putting him at second, but it gives you that opportunity where if, depending on who falls to you, you can right. make different decisions. So, yeah, you can go 30-30, nice 300 average. Tetis and J-Ram could go there. I could even see you know, overall if you want to se- separate yourself for these people doing like five overalls. They're like out there. I could see taking Bichette, who hasn't gone number one yet. I mean, he's the only one I'm not really concerned about really getting injured uh, of uh, between Tatis and Turner. If he didn't want to go a certain direction, I could see Bo going there. I think he's very underrated. Uh, but yeah, if you're just going with who's going to do what, Trey Turner just seems like the obvious number one. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm right in agreement. I think I've got him ranked, you know, one one. I do think Jose Ramirez is an option because of, of third base. I mean, general that position bottoms out pretty quick so getting him is a, a great start to your team but with, with Turner you get it all I think you get everything that you get with Ramirez plus you get the batting average with with Turner obviously a little less power with Turner than than Ramirez but it balances out and I just think he's the most well-rounded player and you look the injuries in the past have somewhat been fluky and I think he's hopefully put that behind him so I feel comfortable saying that you know he's a safe pick there now it let's say hypothetically Joe Ram gets dealt to Toronto because you know those rumors have been out there does that bump Joe Ram ahead head of trade for you, Chris? Man, that's I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, didn't he already last year in that 
poor lineup. He, I think he scored a hundred runs or and had a right, hundred exactly. plus RBI. Imagine putting him me, but. right in the middle of Vlad and Bo and T. Oscar. That's yeah. gonna be insane. Yeah, that would be insane. Would know, that hurt tough. his stolen? Ba- I mean, theoretically, would that hurt possibly his stolen base production? Probably. I I, I thought that, but you know, Bo still stole like what yeah. 25, 26. So maybe not. Maybe maybe, maybe a little bit, but Didn't they all can't Bo? steal. How many steal? Bo. Bo was Bo, like 25, I think. Yeah, right around 25. Maybe you maybe you take off like a handful. But I can still see it, you know, Jerry, I'm getting 20. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I have Turner at JRAM at one, too. I keep going back and forth between them, so I don't care. <laughs> I have yeah. shares of both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I would I would assume uh, like main events come around. If he was on Toronto, he would be the one. I I would I'd be hard pressed not to think he would be. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Plus, you can't pitch around him in Toronto as well. <laughs> right. What do you, you get pitch around him and get to Vladdy? Yeah, not not happening. Um, all right. The number two guy in ADP here is from Chris's Atlanta Braves, uh, Ozzy Albies, who it's funny, you know, his ADP is right around, you know, the late teens, early 20s. It feels like every draft I'm in, he always falls at least past like 25 or so. Maybe it's just random coincidence, but. You know, you got to wonder because some people look at, you know, you'll get Savant. Some people get too into Savant sometimes, look at his metrics, and they're not, they don't jump off the page at you, but it's kind of similar to like Francisco Lindor never had like huge Savant sliders or anything like that. So, um, but is Albies, is he one that's getting a little overrated, uh, Chris, or do you think he's properly valued? I think he's properly valued, in my opinion. And I, I get people think the power is not sustainable. He's kind of sold out for power to an extent. It's come with a little bit of sacrifice of average, but I'm not overly concerned about that. I mean, you look, and I just tweeted out today, actually. I mean, he always led the league in batted balls that were uh, fly balls or line drives with 309. And so I'm not concerned about the power. Maybe he's a 25 home run bat, but he's also going to steal you 20 bases. And I think he's put up solid average, and the counting stats are going to be there in a good lineup. So. I think it's fair, and I, he's one of those that is a second baseman. You mentioned some of these other guys we could right. put elsewhere, but he is a second baseman. And you're drafting him as such because you have to. So, no, I think I think it's pretty fair value on him. Um, you know, me and Matt talked a little bit about this on the turn two last week. So, um, with some some different opinions, you know, around the the room there, but yeah, I, I do think that this is probably a fair spot for him. Yeah, and Alves has been like remarkably consistent. You look at his three full seasons to so take out 2020 and his rookie year in 2017. He's played 156 games in each of his three full seasons, 24 home runs or more, 14 steals or more. And maybe that 295 average from 2019 is the outlier. He's been more around 260 to 270 every other full year, but very consistent over 100 runs every year. Get you, you know, 70, 70 plus RBI. Went over 100 last year to kind of defend on his lineup spot, but. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Albies guy here, so I've gotten him a couple drafts so far. He keeps falling a little bit. I, mean, I don't know if I like him in the teens, but uh, if he gets into the the low to mid twenties, I will take him for sure. If that's where kind of where my draft slot lines up here, Matt, what do you think? Do you buying Albies? My opinion of him ends up being a wash because I think people's expectations of him are are, are overvaluing him, but he still ends up being the SP the uh, the SP two for me, regardless. Um, his, his launch angle every year is he's gone from 15.6, 17.8, 21.1 for the love of God, Oz, Ozzy stop right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, he, the line, the fly ball percentage is going from 36 to 44 to 48. Stay where you are. No reason to go any further. Uh, but if they bring back the happy fun ball, even a little bit, um, compared to last <laughs> year, he could explode. That being said, I think we probably saw his career year in terms of 
home runs, yeah. runs, RBIs, and stolen bases. But again, I don't need that from him, especially at second base. I like Whit Merrifield with what he can do, but he's getting older and he requires like 900 plate appearances to get it done. <laughs> yeah, Even though I think there's regression of sorts coming, um, hopefully he doesn't try to sell out for any more power. I think he's found a nice sweet spot. Um, I think even if he does disappoint, it's still worth the second so, uh, the, as the second second baseman. So, yeah, I think he's being overvalued, but I'd still, you know, be perfectly fine. He's I think he ends up as the second uh, second baseman. I would agree with that. John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is one of the tough arguments to make as an analyst because if you don't love a player at this spot in the draft that comes off as if you don't like him or you don't think that they're any good, and it's just I think he's fairly valued because of the projections. There are going let me put it this way, regardless of how an individual digests and employees projections they are somewhat a self-fulfilling prophecy meaning there is a regard this is objective fact there is a certain percentage of the market that allows you know projections to dictate their behaviors so we have to subscribe to them at least a little bit and that's where it loses me because if you bust out the auction calculator i'm using derek cardi's the bat x that seems to be the one i've found the most not a simpatico to my own, let's say. Not that you know, I, I know what I'm doing. But I've always used Derek's work, at least for offense. I really do like the bat X and its incorporation of StatCast. Let's get back into it. Look at the auction calculator. Yes, Trey Turner is estimated to return $39, like head and shoulders above everyone else. The third second baseman is 17 with yeah. Albie smack in the middle at 28. So he doesn't leave any... Oasis, there's no there's no relief. It's Albies or Bust there because Turner is going at the one. So if you want Albies and a sniff at those projections, you gotta get him in the second where I can't get to. And I could briefly tell you why. Chris mentioned a piece of it. It's the extreme fly ball rate. That has been a source of the power, like Matt mentioned, an adjustment in launch angle. He he has a very mixed bag as far as discipline goes, right? He doesn't strike out. Uh, but he doesn't walk. He chases quite a bit, but he's extremely aggressive. He's one of the highest swing rates in the league, but the fly ball rate obviously will help on runs, but it's going to hurt the batting average. So that's where my beef is here because of the steps back we've seen in discipline year over year increases in swinging strike rate, right? And that fly ball rate, I'm not seeing the 280 average. I think I'm more what we've seen last year or even the year before. I think I'm between. That's funny. The, uh, the bad X actually likes him for a 278, which I found. Yeah, I'm not at 280. That's what I mean. I can't get to 280. What I was pointing out about the projection systems, Matt, is they have people on 280. And that 280 is what gets him to that $28 return. I don't think it's quite that if you knock it down to two. Six again. I'm not totally bearish on Alex Albies. I just think it's 260. I think a 49% fly ball rate with a player who's not this crazy barrel guy. I think a lot of those end up caught in the outfield. So I just think he's capped at 260, 265, and I can't get to that $29 return. So as much as I like Albies, I do think the draft price is fair because somebody wants it. Well, well, plus two. I think one thing that the whole position we're talking about, um, people th- look think of middle infield and they think stolen bases. Second base isn't really that. There's only a few that are going to give you 20 stolen yeah. bases. Yeah. Um, you got Albies who's going like 30, 20. Bring him down to 25, 20 if you want to. If you want to. The other options are Whit Merrifield. Yeah. You're not getting the power and the batting average sure. continues to come down. Tommy Edmond, you're not getting the power. The stolen bases may come down themselves. And then you have Jazz Chisholm, which 
is probably your best bet to recreate Albies, but with like extreme risk uh, in a in right. a really big hole and trapdoor behind him. And then you're left with who else? I mean, maybe Jet, maybe like Garrett Hampson later. There's not many options that can get you those twenty right. bags. Most second basemen are like eight or nine or zero, <laughs> basically. So uh, yeah, people will draft Osby. Ozzy thinking they're getting something and they'll still end up getting value because he just gives you something. Most of the second baseman just can't give you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just looking at ADP for guys that I think could get 20 steals. Yeah. You go jazz Chisholm and Tommy Edmond right around pick 70, 80 or so. And then, yeah, you literally have to go all the way down. There's a bunch of, yeah, like you said, Matt guys are like seven, eight, nine steals. Yeah. And then you got back to back getting your pick 300. You got, Garrett Hampson could magical if he wants to run, maybe, but that's pick near 300. And then even after that, there's not many guys. So it's really just a handful of guys in general, you know, getting down to the, you know, pick 400 range that can give you the 20 steals. And um, yes, that's definitely a great point. You know, the next guy, you know, well, Whit Merrifield's third in ADP, but Marcus Semyon is kind of one of the kind of widest opinions. Whoever you talk to, people love Semyon, think he can back up last year's breakout year or maybe a second break a career year i should say people don't like to move to texas because it's not toronto and this lesser lineup lesser ballpark even though they did add Corey seager so it's not quite as bad as it was but uh, chris are you buying i know we talked about him a bit but um with this adp i think it's come down a bit like it was around 30 now it's around 40 are you buying Semyon now at pick 40 uh, i like him closer to 50 honestly yeah yeah I do think there obviously there's regression coming. We're not going to see 45 home runs again, but I think it's a little overblown the the power decrease that we're expecting. And yes, he perfected those pull fly balls to the corner. You look at his spray chart, almost all the home runs were just right in that left field corner. He perfected that. So, you know, he has to sustain that a little bit to to keep the high home run total, but honestly, yes, the the new Texas Park is plays a, a little more pitcher friendly. But I don't think it's a huge effect. Yeah, the counting stats are going to be down because he's not going to be in the Toronto lineup, as we mentioned. But I don't think the Texas lineup is as bad as people give it credit for. So, you know, around pick 50, I think, is a fair value for him. And I think one of the underrated things is that I think he's going to run a lot more because you look at Texas and generally, like, they've they've ran. And, you know, he stole 15 bags last year, I think, in, in the Toronto lineup. So I think he could steal easily 15 again and maybe even 20. So that could be... An interesting thing with Simeon. Yeah, you know what? I've come around to Simeon. You know, I was kind of out on him. So yeah, I definitely agree that he, you know, last year was probably, I bet, a large amount of money. That was his career year, especially in the home run department. But even if he goes back that let's just say 30, which is cutting, you know, a third of his home runs out of there, down to 30, 15, I'll even keep him at 15 steals. I, I wouldn't even give him any more steals. 260 is, or so average, which he's kind of always been, 255, 260 type of guy, 30, 15. Maybe he flirts 100 and 100. So tell me why we're taking him, or what's the 20 to 30 pick gap between him and Ozzy Albies? Because that's pretty similar line to what Ozzy Albies is going to give you. Why, why should we take Albies at pick 20 when you can get a similar profile 25 picks later? That's kind of, I, I didn't think of it that way until recently, but I don't know. Matt, what, what are your thoughts there? I think the main thing is that there's, in my opinion, a much more likelihood that instead of turning into Ozzy Albies, he's no better than Brandon Lau, who's going 40 picks later. Uh, home runs, I think Lau beats him out this year. I think stolen bases, it'll be close enough. I don't think Simeon goes on any kind of stolen base tear. I don't even ha- I have him down for 10 to 15. 
I don't think he's going to go that beyond. It's such a bad lineup. It's such a bad lineup. I mean, even with Seager, who could miss time, probably will. And then he's there by himself. I don't know what they're going to do there. It's just, I don't dislike him. I, I think he's great. It's just, I think he's just being too early because I can draw up a narrative where he's not that much better than Jonathan India in the end. Um, price wise. Yeah. I mean, they're again, these guys are India, Altuve, Lau. They're going 40 picks later. So it's not a matter of, do I think Simeon can be this? It's that I can easily see him being that and it's 40 picks later. Um, yeah. so I'll wait for one of them. So that's, that's basically why. And I think that's why you'll see his ADP continue to drop. I've, I think I've been in three straight drafts where his max has been set. And I think that'll kind of continue. I think uh, Chris kind of hit it on the head. He liked him a little more towards 50. I think that's good. That's before you get to the risky, a little closer to the risky guys like Baez and Chisholm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, as far as as far as far I'm concerned, yeah, the I think there's more of a chance of him falling closer to that group at the 80 range than him inching up any further that, towards Albies. I can get behind that, and that's you know you're kind of hitting the nail on the head with me that why I've been waiting. I've been getting a lot of India, you know, a lot of those guys back there, Altuve, Lau, guys like that. Because yeah, there's not like a big drop off production wise, at least not to match the drop off there is in ADP. So that's definitely a great point, uh, John. What are your thoughts here? I'm looking at Simeon's just full complement of work from last year, and I've gone to great lengths to try and mix everything together. I have everything Fangraphs has to offer with everything Stackass has to offer. I try and mash them all together and make it really easy for me to kind of understand. Simeon, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone outperform, you know, what what should have happened. And I'm not that type to just kind of quote X stats, but he had 50 barrels, 5-0. He had 45 home runs. It's just insane. And, and I guess he was just Mr. Opportunity, right? He played every game. He made every at-bat. And he has a very good disciplinary basket. He has an excellent uh, contact rates, right? His in-zone contact rate is over 89. His chase rate is at 26. Single-digit swing and strike rate. Talk about not wasting ABs. He's another guy with the tremendous fly ball rate, similar to Albies, not far behind him, 48%. On fan graphs, tacked on with, like Chris mentioned, very apt point, that 51% pull rate, this is not going to happen again. You know, you see a lot of the power stats, the underlying, like, I hate to use the word predictive, but the things that you would look for, I generally just call them input stats. They're not there. He doesn't even crack 110 on max EV, you know, so it means, you know, his 90th percentile, right, Chris? Wink, wink, is not going to be that high. It's hard for me to see a repeat there. And then if you get to the projections who agree with a little bit of scaling back, like Eric was saying, he just falls into the pack. Check this out. Marcus Simeon, per the same auction calculations I was just using, I don't manipulate these things. Simeon is the sixth second baseman, and six of six second basemen are returning between $17.70 and $16. That's a very tight span. You're only moving a couple counting stats here and there. And Simeon is going first of those six. Altuve, Marte, Merrifield, Muncy, India, all have almost identical projections, but you can get them at a later price. And then if Probably Polanco of, too, right? Yeah, well, believe it or not, Polanco, the projection system's bat is not crazy about him. He's down at 13, which again is... It's pretty close, but not so much because they have him for 264, 25, and nine steals, home runs and steals. 
You know, so that kind of stuff will hurt you. 85 runs, 80 RBI. So the bat is looking for a pretty big step back for Polanco, but it's that batting average at 264. You know, if you don't get the 280 like you did from Albies, they have Simeon down for 257. Then you end up back. Again, he's not bad. He's going to be good, even with all the regression people are calling for. He's just going to fall into the pack of 2B, 5, 6, 7, 8, where he probably belongs. He's not 2B, 3 right now. You know, that's pretty much it. Thank you for listening to the tool shed. We've talked about the top three second baseman and we're out of time. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> but hey, they're, they're fun. They're fun guys to talk about. So it's uh, some good banter we got going on here. Yeah. And so, I mean, we just got uh semi in the battle of the pods to pick 53. So I think that's a pretty solid spot yeah. there. A um, couple other guys that you kind of mentioned briefly, but Javier Baez Mark and um, not Marcus. I mean, we already talked about Marcus. I mean, jazz Chisholm, Kind of two similar, obviously one's a veteran, one's a rookie, but look at the profiles. You both get the nice little power speed blend, but the approach can lead to some prolonged slumps and maybe wonder how high the average is going to be in the long run. So so we'll group these two together. Matt, between these two, are you targeting either at their ADPs this year, uh, which is over the, the last month or so? Chisholm is at 70.5 and Baez at 63.5. So you're talking like, you know, fifth round or so in your 15 teamers, but they have pretty wide ranges, 41 min pick for Baez, max of 82, 59 to 85 for Chisholm. Are these two guys that you're looking at this year? Or are you kind of avoiding them because of their uncertainty? I, I mean, I'm off Chisholm. I like the player, uh, but he's one of the guys I did a, uh, an extensive thread on. He loves the high fastball, like Kit Keller in a league of their own. You just can't lay <laughs> off them. Everyone that's a, throws that's a, up. That's a great reference. I got to give you that's a great, <laughs> great reference right there. Thank you. No, everyone throws up that DeGrom home run as this big thing. It's highlighting his biggest flaw that he's <laughs> searching for that every at bat. He needs, if he can bring it down a little bit, um, try to hit more line drives, that natural freaking EV of his will, he'll, he'll even hit more home runs. And that I think can happen. So this is a big year for him. Um, I think he's more likely to struggle. I don't think a breakout is necessarily would um, is in the cards. I think that we should be hoping for slow and consistent growth. <laughs> if he can just try to lock down the holes a bit, maybe the breakout comes next year, but as long as he can't fall into some kind of Keston here, a black hole, I think that's a win. Javier Baez. I've been out on. I, maybe I shouldn't be it. Comerica bothers me. If you're a pole hitter, Maybe Marcus Simeon should have went there. If you're a pull hitter, it's actually not a bad park. Um, it's actually one of the better parks to pull the ball. But as soon as you inch towards the gaps, it's like, you know, a cavern. Uh, it's the, it's like the Grand Canyon out there. And I think that's where Baez is more likely to end up living. I don't know how much that's going to hurt him. So I'm, I'm, I'm really wary of grabbing him and him having this like big pullback. Again, I'm probably building up too much in my head. Park factors, like for the most part, are mostly overrated um but yeah it, it's not it's it's literally one of the worst places he could have signed uh so yeah i, I mean we talked about guys that could go like uh, give you those 20 stolen bases he's probably not going to give you that but he's going to come pretty close and he could give you 30 home runs but yeah i can't i can't go there i mean maybe you guys do you guys disagree because i i feel like that's the only real reason i'm writing him off his his price seems pretty fair for what he gives you but again that group I just talked about before, they're going even later and I still like them. And I'm pretty, exactly, I, feel, yeah. I feel better about them. Yeah. I just, I've never been a biased guy. I mean, he's a fun player to watch, you know, whether it be at the plate or in the field, he's a very exciting player, but I know I just, I can't get behind all the streaky players, especially in the top 100. If they're a little bit later on, like 
200 plus ADP, fine, whatever. But I don't like that much kind of, you know, the peaks and valleys from a top 100 pick for me. I get you went 31, you know, end of the season, you know, 31 home runs, 18 steals, 80 plus runs in RBI, 265 average, which is right in line with his career, 264 average. So, you know, production's there. But, yeah, going to a, a worse hitter park, the lineup is not going to be greater. Yeah, they'll get torque and green eventually, mid, you know, early to midseason. But still, that lineup is not going to be as great as what he was in last year between the Cubs early season and the Mets late season. So, yeah, I, you know, I think he saved, I think he saved fantasy owners going to Comerica because everyone was driving up that narrative that he had that last month, again, one month, setting right. a career best in plate discipline. I was like, oh, he figured it out. He didn't figure it out. He had a hot month. He's still yeah, going to yeah, swing was- at everything, man. Exactly. It's just, you know, it was one, it was one, one of the peaks we were talking about. So yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to get many shares of bias this year. Unless he follows, if he follows like to the eighties, sure. But like you mentioned, Matt, there's a few targets after him that I like even more than him. So I'll be going there in my drafts if I can. John, how about you? Baez, Chisholm or none? What do you got? I just can't get with Chisholm. The two of these players are, are an excellent comp, right? The dual eligibility, the counting stats galore but extremely flawed disciplinary baskets. I mean, beyond beyond flawed, I've never been able to draft Baez. This is the first year I've done it because I've gotten caught at that shelf that I mentioned. In an ideal situation, I do not take on this kind of profile. Eric, I like the way you put it, that it's inconsistent. That was a nice way of saying terrible. I mean, 33%. <laughs> listen, it's very hard to be. Some of these numbers are, are, are very hard for me. If I'm going to be pushing input stats, it's hard for me to look for output with and this is a bias who I like more than Chisholm because at least the power input stats are there. But for Baez, a 29% K minus walk, 46% chase rate, that's worse than the league, 23% swing strike rate, that's worse than the league. And he hits a lot of ground balls. He still has a 47% ground ball rate. It's just the hard hit rates, the Bauer rate, 472 expected mobile on contact, 117 max EV, 19% DHH. This is Javier Baez. So when he squares it up, he does damage. And you mentioned he's a gamer. He's really dangerous on the base paths. But to me, that's a little too exciting for me. The problem with Chisholm, guys, is it's like it's all that stuff I said about bias, but without the really good underlying stats, because Chisholm still has the 49% ground ball rate, but he's a 304 X Woba, an 8% bow rate, 5% blast rate. You know, I mean, that's not great. That's not really going to do it. It's hard to ask for. He's a perfect example of what I mentioned on the Open. People always expecting more. Jazz had 18 home runs, and now the next step is 25. The next step is, let's make it 40. Why not? You it just doesn't wo- work the way for me. Did you look at Wobicon for him? It just doesn't work the way for me. Um, Jazz, yeah, I, I, you know me. I have, yeah, when I have he hits the ball, it goes. <laughs> he just yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and, and to be honest, Matt, his expected validates that as well. Yeah. What people, um, what the number Matt was referring to, he had a 397 Wobicon, but he had a 403 expected Wobicon on, on contact. And 400 really is the baseline for elite. But the problem is always going to have trouble because he doesn't lift at all. There's no real lift in that in that game and that's gonna hold them back eight per eight degree average launch angle and matt something you and i talk about often he has a 30 degree standard deviation of launch angle so there's a lot of spray there's a lot of inconsistency straight up straight up or straight down yeah and that's that's a big problem when we're looking for output stats and consistency so i think chisholm's future is ridiculously bright i'm not really a dynasty guy but i think he could be a much improved version of Baez in a couple years but this year the price is not palatable for me 
Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I think there's only maybe he might be the only guy that I think could go like 25, 25 or be demoted to AAA in May. Like I think both of those possible those are possibilities this year. Chris, are you buying either of these two? Um, definitely not Jazz. I, I don't like the price tag. I think that got a little inflated. Yeah, the power speed's there, but you know, y'all said everything you need to say. It's just inconsistency, lack of contact, high strikeout rate. He could he's so volatile, it's just not worth that pick price going pick 70 over the last couple of weeks. Don't like that. Baez going near 60. I can get on board with that a little bit more, but I'm still likely avoiding just because as you mentioned, there's guys I like more a little later. So I think y'all hit on the head everything that needs to be said about both those players. I know we're going long. I have a quick question for the two of you guys. I know this is a second base, but if we knew, which I'm not sure of, which is why I don't like his price tag, and he's also um, seven feet tall and he has lots of holes in his swing too. But if we knew O'Neill Cruz was going to be in the opening day lineup for the Pirates, like today, drafting, we know it. Would I, I think I'd rather have him than Jazz. I might too. I, it's just surprising that a six foot seven guy literally makes so much good zone uh, contact in comparison to he's, he's a much better guy. Yeah, yeah. Like he, you know, good pitchers will probably expose the frame that usually happens. But yeah, his contact skills are pretty solid, like Chris mentioned. So I don't they're better than Jazz's for sure. And he's got more raw power than Jazz. Jazz has more speed, but yeah, O'Neill Cruz could be a beast. And you yeah, so I would probably and yeah, especially at their ADP, I'll definitely go to O'Neill Cruz for sure. Just trying to tell the daredevils out there. If you want jazz, just step away from the cliff. Draft draft O'Neill later. Or uh, you know, draft him, draft uh, Cruz later. And uh, he'll he'll be uh he'll he'll be your risk. It's a it's a better one. <laughs> Absolutely. And a much more reasonable cost for that risk as well. Yeah, we are going a little bit long here. Before we hit the break, let's just go around the around the board real quick here. Just like in a perfect world, your draft is going right as you want it to be. Now, who is your favorite second base target in the top 100? You don't have to go deep into it, but favorite second base target in the top 100. Chris, you go first. I'm taking Brandon Lau at the price. It's interesting that his price tag's where it is after last season. And I think we know who he is. I think there's going to be some inconsistencies and ups and downs. But, you know, in a roto type format, you can get away with that a little bit more. And, you know, I think he's one of the players that's going to be in that Tampa lineup every day. There, there's not many of them. They're going to platoon a lot of guys, but. And he's a platoon risk in the fact that it splits, but they haven't platooned him yet. And my question is, his his ADP's lower than it was last year, which is so interesting. Like, I don't get that. Know, that is that is odd. Yeah, having, so, having the year he had and his ADP goes down. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe yep. maybe maybe this is like fool's gold. Me sitting here thinking <laughs> this, but everybody else is smarter than me. But no, I like Brandon Lau. There's a narrative out there. Everyone thinks everyone on the Rays is getting platooned. It's like yeah. he gets he'll get his days off, but he's not getting platooned. No, right. No, I agree. My, it's a save time. Allows my guy too. His con, not to mention his contact continues to get better. I think there's, I think there's like a little batting average bump sure. that could be coming his way too. Yeah, could you be. be looking at this guy batting 275, 40 home runs. I mean, Ooh. yeah, give it to me. You don't have to get that at his price. I mean, I'm yeah. just saying, I think that there's a little left in the tank uh, there. I think he can improve yeah. upon what we've seen. Yeah, we saw the batting average improve towards the end of last season. Throughout the, the season, the contact rates improved, the average improved. Yeah, he was one of the best hitters in the American League for the last couple of months of the season. Yeah, I, I definitely I like Lau a lot too. Yeah, I think Chris, you and I both have kind of come around to Lau over the last twelve months or so. I remember like talking to you like a year ago. We both are kind of like, eh, don't really. Uh, he's good. He's got some power, but there's a lot of holes in the profile. But yeah, yeah definitely, we, he's a he's he's changed our minds a little bit here for sure. John, who's your who's your guy in the top one hundred here? I think I like India the most at the cost. You know, I found when he makes it to me 
where he's going, I really love kind of paying that price, right? There are certain draft picks where you're almost excited to pay that price because it's a set it and forget it. He's not going anywhere. I think there's still levels to be unlocked from him. We saw him really take a nice, really nice step forward into that big league promotion. And then even within the season, we saw increases. I just, you know, I'm all about that disciplinary basket, man. You know, you show me a guy, the double digit walk rate. I love that. The double digit K minus walk, 25% chase rate. So he is my candidate for, I mentioned those players last year that capitalized on opportunity, opportunity, opportunity in this game of ours. That's kind of E number one. And I think India is that guy. And he might even have better, some better underlying stats and some of the stuff we saw from Simeon last year. So yeah, I'm loving India where he's going. I think you really could get five categories. I don't know if the batting average is ever going to be 290, but I do think it's going to be up from last year. Yeah, I think it definitely could. I like India a lot. He was one of the guys I was going to go with here. Yeah, I, I saw India when I was down in, in Philly visiting friends and family last year. I went to a uh, Phillies-Reds game, and he had a leadoff home run. He had two other hits. It's like He just had that you know, that swagger, that look. Like He's a ball player. This guy's a hitter. That doesn't show up in, you know, necessarily in any stat or the box score. But, yeah, everything you said, John, spot on. This is a 2010 type of guy. High OBP has always been that way, dating back to his days at the University of Florida. Leading off, he's going to score a ton of runs, 90-plus, bank it. If he plays, yep. you know, 150-plus games, maybe even more than that, depending if they bring in another bat here or two. But, uh, yeah, I, I love India a lot. Another guy I've been coming around on, and there was never a high in this guy, but I like Kettle Marte at the cost this year. I would wish he would run a bit more, but, you know, even even with only a handful of steals, there's a really high batting average floor here. In each of his last two full seasons, he had an XBA over 300, hit 318 last year, uh, 14 home runs and 374 plate appearances. Really solid quality of contact metrics. You know, they don't blow you away, but, you know, right around 9% barrel rate, 91.1 average exit velocity, 495 X log, 48.4 hard contact rate, and, you know, solid plate approach as well. Only strikes out. He's always been like in the 13, 14% K rate range. So it's a really high floor here with a potential for, you know, 300 and, you know, 25 home runs. If he can stay healthy, that is the problem. And Arizona lineup around him isn't great, obviously. But I think, you know, back end top 100 pick, you can definitely do a lot worse. Like, I think if healthy, he could give you a Brian Reynolds type of season. And Reynolds is going about 30 picks ahead of him. And I like Brian Reynolds a lot, too. So really like the, uh, the, the cost here for Marte this year. Just hope he can stay healthy. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the, on the other side and get in some ADP past 100. So don't go anywhere. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. All right, welcome back from the break. Now that we get past that top 12, we were talking about where well, there's a pretty substantial drop-off here, about 30 points, or 30 points, 30 spots in ADP or so. But there's a, a pretty solid cluster here, and there's a lot of multi-position eligibility guys, and some guys even have three-position eligibility. So let's talk about these guys a little bit here. Uh, it starts with Jake Cronenworth at about pick 125 or so. 
He's got first, second, and short. Chris Taylor right behind him, second, short, and outfield. Ty France, first and second. Luis Urias, second, third, and short. Ryan McMahon, second and third. Brendan Rodgers, second and short. And then, you know, boring Colton Wong. I pick 178, only has second base eligibility. What a loser. But, and then you got even Max Muncy here. Was, we talked with him on first base as well. He's very interesting this year because of the injury standpoints. But, you know, Matt, when you get into this part of the draft, are you looking, you know, are you, how are you utilizing all these guys on multi-position eligibility? Uh, I probably, I probably ignore it more than I should. Uh, Cause I always look at Cronenworth and then there's players around him. I'm like, nah, I'm going to draft someone who I think is better, but I mean, they don't have much going on there. They look like they settled into him being the third hitter for that team. So I think he's like first, second and short. Is it or yeah. first, second, third, something like that? For second, for second and short. Yeah. For second and short. I mean, it's beautiful, but um, I, I think that for what he actually gives you, it's just, he's just going a little too early for me to ever jump the gun. So <laughs> I know people usually love Muncie for that reason, but Cronenworth, I don't, for me, he's just not good enough for me to take him where he's going. I understand why people do. Um, I like you mentioned Colton Wong. He's not really an injury prone player, although he has injuries last year that crumbled up. I mean, I think, you know, he can go 15, 15, decent average, a yeah. decent lineup. I'd, I'd much rather wait much later for there or just see who falls to me. I mean, you got like the Jonathan Shopes of the world who, again, I believe, you know, he's, he's solid. He's going to give you that power. He's, he had like a ton of plate appearances and he will again. So there's so many guys that I just rather wait on. Um, Gene Segura, another guy that, you know, the speed is not there, but I mean, he can go 2010 again, very solid. So uh, yeah, Cronenworth, uh, I think he's the multi eligibility is great. Um, I understand why people jump on it, but to me, he's just nothing special um, for me to, I'd rather go, take a pitcher around there or an outfielder. There's so many other people I'd rather go and just wait. Cause there's a lot of interesting names like down the board here. Yeah, for sure. John, how about you? What are you, what are your thoughts on this kind of range of players? Yeah, that was a pretty good summation by Matt. The one thing I would add is the man, the, the boost that you get in draft and hold formats and that's where i think these players are getting the boost so a player like cronenworth specifically right i just drafted him today he's not a player i probably would have drafted in a fab league but triple eligibility and he's going to play every day and then the dead horse is the disciplinary basket you know single digit k minus walk 27 percent o swing 94 percent in zone contact rate all the opportunities you're going to need that Padre offense a bit disappointing, and they've had some injuries. I think he's going to get full run, right? There's really no question he's going to play every day. It won't oh, be yeah. at the same position, but he'll be playing every day. So he's a guy come deep into the summer in a draft and hold league. You're really glad you drafted Cronenworth. Worst question, though, rather than pay up for a guy like Cronenworth, wouldn't you rather just fill the gap in for draft and holds with guys like Josh Rojas? Not, I'm not. I'm just using him because he's available at three positions, like. Um, have a guy that can move around from position to position that's not necessarily your guy, but just a, a, a cheaper plug and play. Or you obviously drafted him, so you, you probably well, disagree. Well, but. no, no, I don't. I don't really. It's funny, Matt. You can tell you and I have worked together quite a bit because my first three draft champions teams have Josh Rojas on them. The difference with Cronworth is that crossover, that MICI crossover, that is. Just tremendous. Okay. It, that is a huge boost to be able to move anywhere around the infield. And I have found with 
middle infield spots is not really what I load up on. In even in a fifty round draft, you find there aren't enough draft picks for everything. MI because it dries up is maybe somewhere where I fall short. So I do like to have the reinforcement. But in a vacuum, yeah, I think I'm with you. And I want to stress in fab leagues, you're not going to be finding me really drafting any of these guys, maybe short of Colton Wong, who I think for what he offers, I find average steel run combinations are something I like, you know, to get, right? I don't want to get my steals with such a deficiency. I understand they may not come with power, but if I can get them with a 270 and at least a dozen bags, I'll sign up for that. So I do really like Wong as a middle infielder. But outside of that, I'm not really touching these guys. Similar to what you said, man, you just don't get enough anywhere. Clark, yeah, how about you? You, you were kind of mentioning the. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, just the quick, real quick. No, uh, the uh, the thing you were mentioning about the cross um, corner middle. Uh, I, I, mean, I mentioned Jonathan Shope earlier. I mean, he's one. Uh, Ryan McMahon's another. Uh, you know, obviously Luis Arias. We haven't talked about there. Uh, Eduardo Escobar. There's actually quite a few people. Okay, that so that's my player shares list. <laughs> for middle infield, in case anybody was wondering. But look, Matt, this is what we're doing here, trying to show people how we and walk through the process, and that's exactly what happened. But the caveat is, even if Josh Rojas kind of answers that question for you, how many times do you want to go that route, right? You want to diversify, because yeah. I don't think he's that okay. solid. So yeah, this, this is probably a pick him here, you know? Turn it over to Eric before he kills us. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's let Clegg get in here. Clegg, are you in on Cronenworth or any of these other guys in this range? Yeah, I like Cronenworth. I think he's a safe bet, like we've mentioned. He's going to play. I think he's going to produce. And he's not going to be flashy, but he's going to get the job done consistently, which I do like. And so, yeah, he, he's an interesting one because, you know, the position eligibility is nice. But then you mentioned a lot of other guys have you know three position eligibility in the middle corner, which is nice. Even some like Chris Taylor, he has middle outfield as well, which is is good. So I don't know. I almost wonder if it's just worth waiting on Luis Urias later. His ADP has moved up. Like he was going, you know, back into the top 100, like near pick 200 early in draft season. Now he's up near, you know, 157 since January 1st. So he's moving up a lot, which is interesting. I, I, I if he can repeat, which I think he can, then you know, I'd rather almost go that route than, than go Cronenworth, just because even at even just 30 picks later, I'd rather go with Arias. Yeah, I kind of echo what everybody says here. Like I like Cronenworth. You know, I think last year what he did, I think he can repeat. Like there's nothing in the profile that makes me think that he can't, you know, be a 270-ish hitter, maybe even more. Like his XBAs have been pretty solid, 321 and then 280 last year. So maybe even a little bit higher batting average, maybe 275, 280, about 20 home runs or so. He had a you know, right around league average hard hit rate and barrel rates, nothing special there. But yeah, I think 18 to 20 home runs is valid. You know, adding a handful of steals, 80 to 90 runs, maybe even a little bit more. He'll hit, like like Matt mentioned, hit the uh, Padres lineup. So, yeah, I think last year's be worth ADP can... if they moved him over into the Dodgers lineup. <laughs> what, what was that? I said he'd be worth ADP if they did move him over into the Dodgers lineup. Yes, that would be, that'd be <laughs> absolutely would be. Yeah, put him put him right in like the three hole in front of you know all, you know, all those guys. So, uh, yeah, I like Cronenworth. I think he's fine. I think he's a safe bet if you need that multiple eligibility or if you're really hurting at one of these positions and you want to take him because you can move him around. And like Chris mentioned, the corner and middle, you know, or like Matt, uh, John mentioned corner and middle eligibility, which is great. I think he's a fine pick. But, yeah, there's, there's some guys I like later. Ulysses Arias really showed well last year, took a step forward. I like Ulysses Arias a bit later on. You know, I'm not really a Vernon Rogers guy. I think there's a lot of holes in that profile, so I'm not really into him. In this range, McMahon is he's he's steady Eddie here. You know, he's 
Always kind of like in the 150 to 280p range. Gives you a 260 with 20 to 25 home runs. Um, so the, he's a fine pick there. He's got second and third eligibility, which is nice. Um, I'd probably be, I've gotten a few shares of McMahon. He's probably the guy I like the most in this range, given given cost. But uh, maybe I'll go if I want a little bit more upside, or maybe guys can take another step. Probably Urias or maybe even Ty France would be the guys here uh, for me. Uh, moving on here, uh, let's go to ADP 151 to 250. Kind of a bigger range here. Now I kind of hinted that I'm not really, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying I don't buy Vernon Rogers 2021 season, but I'm not sure if there's like this. I think people still are attached to the high prospect pedigree, the high draft pick, all the expectations that came along with that. I think there's just in this next level where he's going to be like an all-star caliber, you know, middle infielder, a top 100 pick type of guy in fantasy. He's just not that. Like the approach is not good. Yeah, he cut the K rate down, but this guy just doesn't walk. It's an overly aggressive approach. Chases too much, you know, doesn't really bear up the ball. I don't see, I think he was really aided by Coors Field last year. Take him out of Coors, and I don't think this is a guy that anyone's even looking at in fantasy. So, Matt, I'll go to you first. Are you buying Brendan Rodgers this year for fantasy, or are you kind of avoiding him? I, I think he's fine, and I think that you could, because of the field, you could buy the upside, and it's late enough where you can take a gamble. I could see it, but doing my, uh, for to give you my opinion in my own projections, I have him and Cesar Hernandez to be the same player <laughs> this year. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cesar now with his power stroke, I have, I have Rogers batting maybe like uh two sixty five, um, you know, 15 to 20 home runs. And yeah, I have Cesar Hernandez batting about two sixty with 15 to 20 home runs. So, yeah. <laughs> and neither of them are stealing bases, but at least we know Cesar obviously has amnesia, forgot how to steal the last two years, but we know he can. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Rogers not doing it. <laughs> no. So yeah, I have him as the same with Caesar leading off for the nationals. Um, we don't know the Rockies will Rocky. I, I think Caesar's actually a safer bet at even ADP, let alone the discount. <laughs> right. And his 80, where's his ADP? Yeah. 332. Yeah. Right now over the, over the last uh, three weeks or so on, on draft champions where Rogers is 173. So that's about a one, 160 pick gap. Yeah, I don't want hate now, by day. the way. I, I I acknowledge that Rogers in that park has a higher ceiling. I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he does, but I don't know. I don't know if there's like I said that next level, maybe a little bit more, but I don't think he's gonna be this 280, 25 plus homer type. And yeah, he doesn't steal at all. Like I'd bet money that Albert Pujol steals more bags this year than Brendan <laughs> Rogers. Because Pujol's always he's that smart guy. He always gets at least one or two these last few years. So Rogers just doesn't want to steal at all he hasn't attempted uh, one since 2018 so i know yes he has he has no so, desire to steal bags like he's not even that fast like he's he's probably average speed guy, I but, have so, so many more guys behind him shoop i'd much rather have oh, absolutely Oro, i'd much rather have yeah I, I think it's more an adp thing like i think we're all in kind of agreement that and i don't think rogers is bad he's fine like i think you mentioned you use a, that word as well matt F- fine but yeah look at the guys behind him I could probably rattle off 10 guys I'd probably rather have this year, especially at, at ADP. Like Colton Wong's would right behind him. I'd much rather have Colton Wong, Gene Segura, Eduardo Escobar, Scope, you know, Kike Hernandez, guys like that. Or at ADP, I would much rather have them. John, what, what are your thoughts? Are you buying Brendan Rodgers? No, not even close. He's listed <laughs> as a one, he's projected to return $1. And you really touched on it, Eric. Maybe you're getting average. But you're getting no steals and even limited runs. But it's a hard zero on steals. And I know my compadre, Matt, always pushing the death by a thousand paper cuts. That stuff 
matters. Meaning if your four hitters that don't steal bases, air quotes, actually do steal two or three bases, the three bases times four batters, 12 steals, is multiple standing gains points. Okay, multiple. It's at least two or three spots in the standings, maybe more. The last couple of years in particular, as steals have conglomerated, right, become more scarce, 12 steals feels like it could be five spots at the end of the season. So Rogers is another guy I mentioned at the outset. I was going to be talking about guys that I'm just not seeing this. Eric, you said people are expecting 25. I almost fell out of my chair. I don't know how he even yeah. got to 15. He had 19 barrels, 15 home runs, and it was not a lot there at all. 51% ground ball rate, not going to get it done. 36% pull rate, a 310 X Woba, 6% barrel, 4% blast, and 360 expected Woba on contact. None of those, none of those tell me. Six degree launch angle, none of those tell me we're going to pump up the home runs here. But to me, Rogers. It's lost. It's it's a missed pick, I think, for me right here because it's it feels very it feels very empty. It's you might not even get the two eighty again, and it's like middling power with middling counting stats and no steals. Give me every argument Matt made about the guys going after him for Hernandez. You know. Well, here's yeah. the final nail in the coffin. As again, my projections. I think as a full time platoon player, there's a decent chance of eligible at first, second, and third. Wilmer Flores could give you similar production. <laughs> I, I mean, he did Flores. last year. Last yeah. year, Wilmer Flores batted 262 with 18 home runs as a full-time platoon player. And I, I mean, that's not going to be that far off. By the way, again, everyone, that Wilmer Flores is currently being drafted at 370. Yeah, yeah I mean, Flores is a good pick late. Chris, you, you buying Rodgers at all? Uh, I don't think so. I'm pretty out. I think I do think that the batting average will probably be inflated in cores, as you expect with, with any Rocky, right. but he just doesn't have the power. And, and I don't I don't really see it. Like you mentioned, he's not going to steal a bag. So, yeah, I'm pretty out. You, know, you mentioned he hits the ball on the ground a ton. So as long, if he's not elevating, it doesn't matter. So he's, he's not going to get to the home run power at all. So, yeah, uh, as, as y'all mentioned, better options later. So I'll pass here. I was hoping you'd do a 360. I am in and then just go <laughs> this whole thing while we're Love. done. Yeah, he's no. going to be a top 100 guy. No. Yeah, even back I, – I saw Brendan Rodgers a couple times, uh, a few times, maybe three, four times back in his double-A days uh, coming up through the Rocky system. And let's say, you know, social media didn't exist, rankings didn't exist, and you just were seeing everybody on the field for the first time, not knowing who was highly rated and who was not. Rodgers did not stand out to me. And, yeah, it was small sample size, but I, I, was, I came out, I was like, ah, he's fine. I don't I – didn't, know why he was being so highly touted and yeah he was you know high in my own rankings as well but i just never understood the love for rogers like there's people throwing like 60 hit 60 power grades on him and i think this is crazy yeah he's he's fine but so many guys that i would learn to have later on like i said i could probably list off 10 guys especially at adp i would rather have uh let's get into some of those guys here moving a little bit further down the board here as we close out the show let's go adp 250 plus some of our favorite targets. You still want to give one, you give a couple, whatever you want to do. John, kick it to you first. Who are some of your favorite targets after pick 250? Let's see, lead targets after 250. I got lost in my sheet. Hold on one second. Um, <laughs> and I just off the top of my head, Cesar Hernandez had come to mind. I was hoping to really, I'm hoping to address second base before it gets to this point. I mentioned before being caught out, like being caught in the cold and, you know, you kind of admit your mistakes and hope to fix them. So I'm trying to not need any of these guys, 
But beyond it, I I loved Nick Madrigal at one point because, you know, again, the batting average is it has always been a problem for me. So as I kind of correct my game, as I try and get a little more mature, so I can see Madrigal, though I haven't ended up there. I do have shares of, of Cesar Hernandez, and I actually do have shares. Oh, my buddy Nico Horner. That's who I was, that's who I was looking for. That's what I was stalling for. I've always been a Horner guy. He plays every day. He has a propensity for a high batting average. You could get some steals. And if he's at the top of the line, if you get some runs, all right, there's me just trying to be consistent with the guys that are not going to give me power, filling in those other categories, but getting three of them. That's what I'm hoping for to get three. Once I think a player is only going to give me two, then they're pretty much on the outs looking in. Yeesh, I'm looking at this, man. It gets really ugly. Maybe you guys will help me find somebody late because I really struggle. I used to like Dylan Moore, but I don't think there's playing time <laughs> there. I just don't think it's there anymore. I've chased Andre Jimenez in my past. Well, I guess he's not at quite a 240. It's right there. Darren Hampson, gosh, too much chin scratching for me. Like I said, I'd rather have I'd rather have the needs addressed before then. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point there. Chris, who, who do you like here? Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and go with Ha-Sung Kim. I think that the designated hitter is going to be implemented in the National League, and I think that only benefits him. And you look at their lineup right now, and you know, they could definitely add somebody, but they've got uh, Nomar Mazzara penciled in in the outfield. Uh, that just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. No. So <laughs> I, I think there's a spot for, for him somewhere in this lineup, especially with a designated hitter. And I don't think he's nearly as bad as we saw last year. So – I think he's going late enough where I can take a shot. He's going to hit for better average. He's got decent power speed. So, yeah, Kim's somebody that I'm intrigued by later on. And, and you know, he's been going over the last three weeks, an average pick at 358, so as low as 397. And he's got second, third, short eligibility. So you can kind of, you know, miss and match over uh, everywhere with him. And right now, you go on roster resource, they don't have him in lineup, but I just don't see any way that he's not playing if they've got no more Mazzara slated to be in the lineup. So. There's no way Mazar is starting. No, There's no way, not a chance. We, so. We've been we've been there, done that, seen the story several times now. It's not happening. Yeah, so he'll find a spot, and I, I think he's going to get enough playing time to to be worth that pick. So I'm taking some dart throws with with Kim there. Matt, you've kind of already hinted that a few years, but once you go, once you hop in here, who do you, who do you really like after 250? A couple guys, John named Nick Madrigal. Um, it, it, he he gives you no power, literally none. Uh, but if he is healthy, which is another big if, uh, if you completely struck out on steals, he is Luis Arias with with steals. So if uh, if you're desperate, it's not a bad place to go. We match, uh, mentioned Cesar Hernandez. I like him a lot. Jeff McNeil is going to play every day. If he doesn't get traded, I always am kept saying this. Robinson Cano's getting released. He's batting 260 in the Dominican League. He's getting released. Jeff McNeil will play every day. More than likely, and if he gets traded, which they said the Mets want to, he will play every day as well. He was, I'm citing something that I think is stupid, but I'm going to cite it nonetheless. The MLB uh, Network Shredder had him as the second best second baseman in baseball in 2020. And now he's uh, going and pick 334 coming off a season where he had uh, soft uh, tissue injuries the entire year. Uh, He was always being drafted too early, like last year and the year before. But uh, right now, I think that's a good guy to take a shot on who could, you know, he's, he's got to be a candidate for person to outperform his ADP by the most. Uh, so I, I like him. And the last person I'll mention is Tony Kemp. <laughs> uh, everyone doesn't believe in Tony Kemp. They have him projected for a lot of the places for like 130 games, 400. 
plate appearances, batting like 240. He batted 279 last year. And I, I think that uh, it's it's actually a little more legit when he actually gets a run of playing time. He's not going to give you a ton of anything. He's like a, a a homeless person's Francisco Lindor where he gives you a little <laughs> bit of everything. And it's not spectacular. But this guy has some of the best plate discipline metrics in the entire league. And he has an entire career every year, but one, he has a 90% or above Z contact. This guy's a contact machine and he's going to be leading off for the A's. I don't know if people are overlooking this. They're breaking it down. Him, he's going to be leading off every day for these guys. And it's still a major league team. So I think he gives you a decent average, maybe 10 home runs, maybe 10 stolen bases gives you a decent amount of runs uh, because he'll be leading off for a major league team. And you know, He's being drafted right now at pick, I don't know, 1 million at pick 383. So, yeah, I think that uh, he's a decent guy to throw on the end of your bench, especially in draft and hold. Yeah, and he's got multi-position eligibility, too, which definitely helps. And, yeah, he's going to play. Yeah, there's, who else is going to play in Oakland, really? Um, for me, I want to go a guy that he's, he's not – he's boring. I hope it's not Robinson Cano after I just said all that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Robinson Cano, no. Um but uh, I'm going to go Adam Frazier uh, going up to Seattle now. He's probably going to either hit first or second in that lineup. In that's in front of, you know, it's not a loaded lineup, but it's actually, a, I think, could be a sneaky good lineup. You know, right now, roster resource, which, you know, isn't the BL end all, but they have him hitting second right in front of Mitch Haniger, Ty France, Jared Kelnick, Kyle Lewis, Abraham Toro. Like that's, you know, that's a solid group of hitters. Again, not loaded, but. I think he could be in line for 80 plus runs. He gives you, you know, maybe, maybe he's not a speedster, but he can give you 10 steals over full season. He did that in 2021, 10 steals in 155 games. Obviously, the power speed is very limited, but this is a career 281 hitter, hit 305 last year. Very good contact metrics. Like, you know, this is that was a, a legit 305 last year. His XBA was top 10% of the league. One of the hardest guys in the league to strike out, 10.8%. Strikeout rate, so yeah, maybe maybe you get another two ninety plus average, you know, eighty to ninety runs and double digit steals. You know, that's not sexy, but at pick, uh, where is he? Three hundred and something here, uh, three twenty five. You know, that's pretty solid right there. That's a, a decent bench guy, that a high floor bench guy that you know can give you a couple categories late. So that's kind of what I'm looking for sometimes late, either to fill a need that I'm I really need to fill, or this guy can give me a couple categories, and I think Frazier can do that. So. Uh, I like him uh, as one of my favorite late targets here. And a couple of other guys that these guys mentioned too, I'm, I'm in on as well. But I'll go Frazier to give you a, a different name here. That's going to wrap us up. Before we get out of here, let's go. I'll give you guys the floor here just to kind of pump up what you're doing at your respective places. Uh, John, why don't you go first? What, what do you got going on over there with Cork Stats and YouTube and everything? Well, first off, thank you guys so, so much. I had such a blast. Man, Holly, man, Holly seems like work. So, uh, yeah, you can catch my podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. It's Corked Stats, C-O-R-K-E-D-S-T-A-T-S. That's also the name of my own YouTube channel. But you could also put Cork Stats into the YouTube search. I've done some videos for Pat Mayo on the Mayo Media Net that, I mean, I'm new at this, but I'm working really hard at them. And I feel like it's a pretty cool platform to make these really kind of comprehensive arguments where I get to use graphs and charts and show how I get to these kind of more complex answers. It can be tough with just a minute or two of airtime. Some of these need the visualization that I'm providing with. And it's funny, it's a conversation Chris and I just had today about looking at charts 
and trying to understand them better every single day, trying to zoom in and out to gain as much perspective as possible. And that's kind of what I'm bringing. So I've done some sleeper videos and player comps, just, man, uh, pitching arsenal dissections, just anything I could think of. So if you search cork stats or MLB moving averages, you'll find my stuff or just open your ears. It's really hard to miss me. So thanks, everybody, <laughs> so much. Uh, I'm just trying to <laughs> – so I was going to say, like, if I got caught misbehaving, remember, you know, this is Matt. I was Matt's responsibility today. So I did my best behaving. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt was supposed to babysit you is what you're saying well yeah well I thought that's why you brought him I thought you're like I can't, you can't have this guy <laughs> <I'm> supervised <laughs> uh, no guys look, you know, sorry, thank you so much man I love this show and I appreciate your platform I really do really yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on. It was fun talking with you again, John. It always is. And one thing, obviously, John does great work. But the one thing, you know, the John, your passion really comes through your work. You know, you're you're you get so much energy, and you're so you're obviously great analysis, whether it's on your on your YouTube or Cork Stats. But you can definitely tell you're a very passionate guy about baseball. And I think that that kind of bleeds through with it, with whatever content you're putting out there. So I have a high amount of respect for you and Matt as well. Matt, what do you got going on over at Athletic, Turn you know, turn 2, wherever? You're, you're in a lot of places now. I'll say one thing. I, t- I spent all this time giving the audience all these great mo- facts about Jonathan Shope just to have John snipe me in the draft we are in together because I was about to take him. He literally I, just, him. Him. I just sent him in. I sent him in. He just literally sent him in on the guy I was about to take. I, knew, I did it to myself. Um, is, that in, is that in Battle of the Pods? Yeah. yeah. I took Tanner Hall. I love scoping the MI. I think if you can get a 285. You don't, you know, let's not talk about it. Yeah, I, I love we that. All, <laughs> that. That's mad at you now. You made that mad. You can find a friend that you that won't stab you in the back at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S on Twitter. Subscribe over at the Turn 2 Podcast. I'm going to be start doing some daily episodes, like 10, 15 minutes in the morning during the season. Just talk to you about some uh, like uh, matchups, different cool trends uh, for advanced statistics, but some, just some short stuff. I'll be doing them live in the morning. So, yeah, subscribe over that. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm over at NBC Sports Edge. We'll be doing my series by the numbers this year. That was the one that was nominated for the SS FSWA. And by the way, congratulations, Eric. Writer of the Year nominee. Thank you. I know you probably Congrats. already uh, talked about that before, but congratulations, buddy. Um, but yeah, the, you know, you can find me kind of everywhere. Uh, uh, my DMs are always open on Twitter. If you want to talk baseball, I love talking baseball. I think everybody in this podcast loves talking baseball. We 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 could have gone another hour, but we will cut it right here. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Matt is at Matt Williams, but W I seven seven I A M S. John is at MLB Moving A V G. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross zero four, and our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. And check out all of our written work. All of us everywhere. It's in our Twitter bios. You can find it there. Uh, and obviously check out Fantrax HQ, all the stuff going on there, and Chris and I's Patreon. And join us again next time as we get into third base. Got a couple more great guests for you there, too. But until then, everyone take care. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? 
You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.